0: Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome to Dourism's the podcast for the week of January 28th, presented, as always, by the fine folks at County Markets, supporting your communities, your schools, and your kids. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. In just a bit, Max Bennett from KHQA Sports will be joining us, and we'll go down through the list of interesting happenings this week, and there were plenty of them. It was such a strange and wondrous and fun week, and in that spirit, I'm going to start in two places with two topics I don't usually talk about, the first of which... Because because it's maybe the least interesting topic on the planet, and that's me. I mean, I, I, there's nothing I hate worse than addressing myself or doing that because that feels so silly and ridiculous. But it would be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge just what a cool moment it was and how thankful and honored and embarrassed and blessed I was to have that moment at the Quincy shootout and the great friends that I have who took such good care of me with the, the Marvin Bagley jersey moment. And again, I had no idea that was coming. It was a total shock and surprise. I still didn't quite know what was happening when Wills Nixon called me out to the center of the floor and then Andy Douglas shows up carrying something that looked like his you know he's got a framed Doug Christie jersey in his office and I thought what's he doing with this and turned around it was a Marvin Bagley jersey and it was for me and when that dawned on me yeah it was kind of embarrassing to fanboy out in front of 2,500 people but you know certainly uh, a really moving moment and I'd be a you know I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't a really nice moment, which brings me back to my point. I'm, I'm not somebody who, you know, I, I'm not somebody in this business who's a, a frustrated actor or musician or somebody who likes to be in the spotlight. That stuff makes me uncomfortable. I could do this job forever without ever being on television again and be eternally thankful for that. Because I like the work. It's always been for me about the work, and I think you guys know that when you see the way we do sports where, you know, I I pop up for the first five seconds of a sports cast and then hide under the highlights the rest of the time so you don't have to see my ugly mug, and we make it all about the kids. And those moments where it's kind of about me are, uh, again, uncomfortable and not my thing, but it does bring me to the greater resonant point of this whole conversation. I I do feel like in this world, the most undeservedly appreciated human being on the planet. And that's a function of living here because I'm not running into burning buildings to save your children. I'm not sticking my hands into your guts to cure cancer. I'm not doing any of this stuff. I'm just doing something that I love that I would do. If, if everybody hated me and hated me for doing it, I'd still take so much enjoyment out of it that that I would continue to do it. But all of you, I mean, I, at every turn, um, you know, there are three or four people a day who stop me and say incredibly nice things. And it's so flattering and humbling and, and incredibly nice. And it's just like when people ask me why, you know, you're from California, what are you doing in, in Quincy? It's like, why would you want to live anywhere else when you're living among the best people on the planet? I mean, friendly, nice people who truly appreciate what it is you do. And, you know, do pay that forward to other people, though. Don't just make it, you know, about people who are on TV. Pay it forward to everybody. And I know you guys do, but it's just, like I said, it's just such a a, a neat awe inspiring thing to be a part of. And again, I think that speaks to our culture. People love sports and they love their kids and they love their communities and they're proud of them. And, and you know, the fact that, you know, I'm charged with kind of showing the world how that works and why it is you're so proud of your kids puts me in a very unique position. And again, it's not that I don't appreciate the appreciation. It, it is really heartwarming and it's a really great part of being here. But, you know, again, (laughs) it doesn't always make me comfortable and it's not always the easiest thing in the world, but it is certainly... Um, something that I will treasure for as long as I'm here. And and I certainly treasured that moment the other night. And thank you to everybody who made that possible. Again, I I, I feel bad for, you know, kind of absorbing a little bit of the spotlight that night. But, you know, everything that happened that night was a pretty genuine, fun thing. And and I, I greatly appreciate everybody involved, including the Bagley family who helped make that happen. And that jersey will hang in a place of honor in my, you know, in my man cave. And uh, just sorry Marcus didn't get a chance to come out here because I really wanted to see him play, but things are what they were. but again what a what a great weekend the Quincy shootout was and it was certainly a moving experience to be a part of. I, I don't think you could do a shootout anywhere in the country any better than Eric Stratman and Wills Nixon and Scott Douglas and Andy Douglas did it and and those guys are not just great people and not just great at what they do but they're great stewards and ambassadors for this community and every single one of those powerhouse teams with their blue chip players walked out of here having a great experience and I think all of them wanting to come back so you know Eric Stratman has created this thing that is this this living monster now that I think is going to be a really positive thing for this community for years to come and again my thank you to all of you we, we asked you we told you you know please come out and support this thing because you don't have something special like this if we don't show a America we are you know basketball USA and you know we had so many people from so many different corners of the tri-states travel to quincy and and be a part of this thing and i hope they enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed it and being around all of you so i wanted to start there and that's a topic that again i promise you i will try to wait another decade or two before i ever talk about myself in this podcast again, but I, again, I would have felt remiss if I didn't acknowledge what that was. The other topic I, I, I'm going to talk to you about this week, and I think every sportscaster in the country is talking about it, is Kobe Bryant, which, you know, I, I make no bones about. I was not a fan of Kobe Bryant, the player, largely because all of his success and greatness, it seemed, always was my source of personal torment as a Sacramento Kings fan. Um, so, You know, I I do. And prior to everything that went on this weekend, which is just maybe the most shocking sports thing since Clemente, and I'm not trying to compare Kobe in any way to Clemente because I don't think there's anybody in the history of sports who is more sainted and rightly so for their character than Roberto Clemente and what he did uh, for people, his people, and, you know, to be a steward and ambassador to them and to, to, to try to do better with his wealth and whatever. But, you know, again, I think the level of shock and the level of outrage and upset, you know, for this seeming superhero that people had from the basketball world and Kobe Bryant was very metrically a lot like the Roberto Clemente thing, at least in that, you know, in that. Vantage point in that viewpoint, I should say, probably more metrically. But I I, I wanted to talk about it because everybody's sharing their Kobe Bryant experiences. Mine was a mix of emotion and a good reminder again, you know, post basketball, you know, I had no more reason to despise Kobe Bryant. And I'll tell you, I had a lot of respect for his second act. And you sort of came over the years to begrudgingly respect him, even though, you know, he cost me probably the only chance in my lifetime to see the Sacramento Kings hoist an NBA championship in 2002. It wasn't just Kobe. It was Shaq. It was Robert Ory. It was Vlade Divac tipping the ball out to Robert Ory. It was the fact that Peja Stojakovic's, you know, jump shot failed him at the biggest possible time in his career. And it was, of course, Tim Donaghy as well. But I digress with my conspiracy theories there. Um, You know, it was it was something that after the fact, I think, you know, you grew to appreciate the fact that Kobe did save his best for Sacramento because he thought the Kings deserved it. And I will argue with anybody that that 2000 Kings team was as good a team to never win an NBA championship as has existed in the history of basketball. That was a fantastic team and something that we're still in Sacramento very proud of. But, you know, to go through the gamut of emotions as somebody who spent my Sunday kind of rationalizing, hey... You know, this isn't about sports. It wasn't about sports. It was about lives, you know, ended and tragically so. And the impact that Kobe Bryant had on so many people. It was just, it was really a different gamut of emotions than I think other people who were Kobe fans were going through. I was, you know, I was trying to process things that I hadn't thought about, you know, about somebody that you kind of put in this compartmentalized box uh, for so many years, and then realize that, man you know, such a wondrous and vibrant life in so many ways. And, uh, you know, I'm not forsaking what happened in Eagle, Colorado, but, you know, I I do think, you know, having daughters changes people. I hope it does. You know, it would seem from the outside to certainly have done that. Once you've had a daughter, I think you act very differently as a man towards women. I, I would hope you would because I think that's part of, you know, God's plan for putting, you know, daughters in our lives as fathers. Um, but, you know, I the, the, the Kobe thing was, like I said, it was just such a weird wrestle personally for me because, you know, I, I always appreciated his basketball skills. I'm a guy that loves basketball probably most. I'm a guy that, you know, considers Kobe. A top 5 all-time player in the league even though that's begrudgingly and you know um, it's true he is a top 5 player in the league and I don't think you're going to portion it any other way but again, it was like, man, it's just the, it's the whole humanity of this this thing that you didn't see coming and that you could never wrap your head around. And when you hear the news, you you even me, you know, who, you know, there, there were times that I, I wished I was the guy that poisoned Kobe's burger in Sacramento when he famously had gotten uh, food poisoning uh, on a trip to Sacramento uh, at the Hyatt Regency. I wish I had been that guy. But, you know, when it, when it came to push comes to shove, all of a sudden my emotions were for his family. And all of the stupid basketball stuff and the year's rivalry melt away. And I think, you know, there's a salient lesson in all of that for us, you know, whether it's politics or race or sexual orientation or Cubs versus Cardinals, sometimes those things are the least important things in the world. And it's basic humanity that resonates. And, you know, I thought it was good. I thought it was good to just sit down and to dwell on the fact that this poor man and his beautiful daughter lost their lives and their beautiful you know, mothers slash wife and sisters now have to live this unfortunate, you know, horror of not having these incredibly important people to them. And it's, you know, life is so much more than sports. Sports in the grand scheme of things are are stupid and they may define us, you know, or not stupid, but just meaningless overall compared to the other big things. And I think so many people are struggling with the whole with a whole deal of, you know, Kobe because he seems so superhuman and he was, you know, this the second act in life with his directing and his Mamba Academy and everything else was such a classy cool endeavor and um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, probably shed a tear. But, man, I felt shattered for for everyone around him, Um, you know. And, I, you know, as much as I didn't think I would be capable of shedding a tear for Kobe, I could see where I could just because the the, the sadness of it all for his family. And he's a father and he's a, you know, a girl dad, which, you know. In one particular case, in my family, I've been lucky enough to be a girl dad, and I also feel very lucky to be a boy dad on the other side of things. So, you know, it's just there there was a lot of emotions, and I think that's what everybody's going through, and that's why, you know, the Kobe talk is so salient right now. You know, people who never saw Kobe play in his prime – you know, worship a door Kobe thanks to YouTube and, you know, the NBA, you know, rebroadcast games on NBA TV and all of that stuff, and rightfully so. And, you know, you're starting to see some of that now. Hopefully people will go back archive and back catalog and see some of the other NBA greats and get a greater appreciation of, you know. Larry Bird and, you know, and, and the likes of those guys that they're doing this and getting some, you know, history to their, their basketball knowledge. But it's just been such a weird week, and Sunday was such a weird day of just, you know, running the gamut of different emotions for somebody I never knew that I cared about to the extent that I guess I did. and You know, I, I guess it's not fun having – A favorite if you don't have a villain and Kobe was the ultimate villain and he was the villain that won every time he played the Kings but you know it's I read a great article from Jason Jones uh, who writes for the Athletic about he was a Laker fan who was forced to cover the Kings and always a Kobe fan and we Kings fans have never really you know caught into that very much But, you know, to see him talk about how much Kobe enjoyed playing in Sacramento and wanted to, you know, beat Sacramento so desperately bad because then he'd own their respect and they'd have to respect him. Us cowbell cowbell ringing idiots in the rafters, as he, you know, as Phil uh, Jackson famously referred to us all. Um, so, you know, it, it really was a weird weekend and I know everybody's going through it and, um, gosh, the, you know, just the wonderful tributes, you know, I, I, I've watched them and I didn't think I would, and I didn't, you know, know at the outset, it was something that I needed to watch or felt a process to watch, but it seems like I can't consume enough of the Kobe Bryant stuff either. And, you know, it's, I think it's all of us. I think we're all dealing with it and kind of mourning in real time, which, you know, is one of the nice ways that sports has brought us together. Not that that is the way we all wanted it, but, you know, ultimately we are as human beings looking for shared experiences and sports, you know, is about uniting us as fan bases and us against them and us against the world. Well, it's really a lot more us with us than it is all of that. And I think, if there's any silver lining at all to this Kobe Bryant situation, I think I personally have been more reminded of that than that, than I had been in a long time and needed to be. And, you know, there's, you know, all of us who fashion ourselves intelligent people, sometimes we lose our mind through sports and our fandom. And, and this is, a you know, a really good point of bringing it all back to the center and centering and, you know. Me reevaluating. I think sports fans need to do that from time to time, that these people who we, you know, demonize or idolize, you know, they're they're real people, too, with real families that care about them and, and love them and need them in their lives the way our families need us. And that was the biggest takeaway from the Kobe thing. And again, so many people have said it, but, you know. Be reminded of that. Be mindful of that. Somebody I saw on Twitter tweeted out, think about death every day and then live your life accordingly, which I thought was the best advice of it all. And if you're miserable in your current life, life's too short, man. And it could end in a second, as we all know and have seen you know, vividly pointed out for somebody who was super rich, had a beautiful family, was handsome, had everything in the world going for him you know, his life ended in a snap and, you know, because of a, you know, a helicopter crash and it could happen for all of us. So, you know, seize the day. I I guess that's the resonant lesson of all of this as well. And I thank you for listening me to prattle on, but you know, I think it's good sometimes to talk through some stuff and I hadn't really talked through it. And I figured I'd talk through it with you. So many of you are basketball fans and um, so many of you love Kobe. And so many of you, as you let me know at time and again, are Lakers fans and God help you all. But, You know, on on Sunday, I really was praying for all of you, and I really felt for all of you. And um, I know how hard it hit in some places for so many of you who Kobe was the guy for, was always the guy for. I can't begin to tell you how i'd feel if you know the guys that were you know my idols and sports heroes to some degree i was reminded of when prince died you know it was like i knew how that felt that day and i i, I would assume a lot of people who worship kobe you know as a basketball player the same way i kind of looked at prince as a musician you know probably were going through the same thing and i i wouldn't wish that on anybody so godspeed mamba um you know and and god bless and rest easy you and Gigi. um and uh, all, all our prayers and you know, all, all the peace to your family. I know that's really hard at this particular point, but I did want to express that as well. And again, thank you for hearing me out. Coming up, we're going to talk a little less seriously about some of the fun stuff happening in sports and lighten the mood a little bit, but I did want to address those two topics uh, this week going in because it has been such a dynamically strange week. Well, Super Sunday is almost here, and sure, football is fun, but admit it. Really, we're coming together for the food. County Market Deli can help you wow your squad without breaking the bank. Pick up a Pizza More Deli pizza for only six ninety nine, plus get a free Pepsi 2-liter in the process. Or grab a full slab of ribs for only eleven ninety nine and get a free Coke 2-liter soda as well. These deals and a ton more at your local county market. All right, KHQA Sports' Max Bennett joins me now. As promised, a lot of things to get through on what has been a crazy week, but I want to start talking about the Quincy Shootout because I know you were there for most of it Saturday. You were there with me for a lot of it on Friday. I thought, you know, it was a boffo success, a smashing success on all fronts. I don't know how Eric Stratman and Wills Nixon topped themselves moving forward, but it, it was, I think, something that now has— and I even had the conversation, Max, with, with Eric where he said he not only was super pleased with what it was, but there were moments where he saw what he thought it could be. I don't know what their next evolution is going to be. I mean, they, they've obviously set the bar for themselves pretty high. I guess if you could have your dream, what would you like to see happen for that next evolution of the Quincy shootout?
1: Yeah, they third year's growing success, like you mentioned, basically knocked it out of the park as the community and the tri-states really came out on, especially Saturday, watched some great basketball. But I think you can bring in the likes of a Chicago Simeon, a Whitney Young and Oak Hill and Sierra Canyon out west to maybe compete with a Hamilton Heights, a Saint Louis Christian. And you just look at the I think you look at the top fifty recruits going in the next year and who can we get, who can we bring in to make this thing even bigger and make it the basketball showcase that they're wanting it to be?
0: I think they have already had those thoughts, but I think you really had to grow this year, and I, I think that was the process. I think they had to prove, and I think they've done that because you know this better than anybody being from St. Louis, when Vachon checks off your tournament as being something special, when Chaminade says they want to return to your tournament, that gives it a validity, I think, when you're trying to draw other teams that it didn't have, and it, it, it isn't earned overnight. It's something that you have to, to work to achieve, but I, We heard rave reviews from everyone. I know, you know... Sacramento Sheldon did not bring in Marcus Bagley, unfortunately, but they were they were so gracious and so excited, and I saw their you know their tweets going out the door about hey if you're a fan of high school basketball this is now a must on your list of travels, which speaks very well. I also and I had the conversation with Eric Stratman. I'd love to see them find a date where they profited like they did from the weather on Friday, where kids from other schools can come in on Moss. Uh, you and I saw kids from Pittsfield there. We saw kids from Hannibal Grange where there just watching and taking it all in. And I think that is part of it as well. And I don't know if that necessitates a Sunday day of play or if you you try to find that one weekend or even a weekday, maybe a Wednesday, which probably doesn't work out for crowds very well, but you find that one window where people who love basketball can come and see it or we make a gentleman's agreement not to play one Saturday out of the year so that kids from all over the Tri-States can come and enjoy this because, you know, the basketball bird dogs were out. And for me, some of the most fun was just standing around with people talking about basketball, people from near and far, and and that was certainly a, a fun part of that event as well. I think atmosphere matters, and that's that was a really good thing, and, you know, ever since they've launched this thing, they seem to have hit all the right notes, and I, I trust that you know Scott Douglas and Andy Douglas and Wills and Eric are going to continue to do that. I think Eric has and he's always shown a really proficient talent for putting together shootouts way back when he was putting together the Quincy High Girls Thanksgiving tournament when he was there and he found a way to bring in Lori Blade and Edwardsville. So, you know, obviously the man's got a talent for doing this and he showed it this year beating everybody to the punch on Hamilton Heights and it had Marcus Bagley played. I think you would have seen that as well because Marcus Bagley was not a top 40 player when when Eric Stratman reached out and grabbed him. So I, I thought that was a really cool thing as well. Speaking of cool things, Max, we're, we're closing in on signing day, and some of the dominoes are starting to fall football-wise, a- and right now Central Missouri is killing it. The University of Central Missouri this week got commitments from two guys I know that you think highly of. You saw play a couple of times in Pascal Guilavogi from Beardstown, who was the KHQA Player of the Year, and Caleb Lapsley from Clark County, who was the runner-up for that honor and also the Quincy Harold Whig Player of the Year. Those two guys, I mean, I think where does that come from? Is that a credit to Devin Smith and Zach Asherman having as much success as they've had from Quincy High over there? I think part of that, but also I think
1: part of it, Central Missouri knows being in the MIAA, tough schedule every year. But, I mean, I think it is a credit to Devin Smith is, hey, there's some talent out there. Go out, look. Great schools, great athletes, great students on top of that. But Let me ask you this. Where does Lapsley and or fit into the mule system?
0: Well, I think you know if you're looking at those guys, I don't think either of those guys are a running back moving forward, and I don't think either of them think they're a running back moving forward. I look at Pascal Gilevogie as one of two things. He's either a wide receiver in a very specific system, or he becomes that ultimate strong safety, which is what I'd really like to see the two of them actually be free and strong safeties together because I think that would serve both of them very well, and, man, you talk about a fast, fast, Fast back end safety net for your defense. I mean, both those guys could play it, but they're broad canvas guys. I mean, they're going to be playing somewhere on the field, and you know, obviously, that's a high caliber level of Division II football. Pascal Gielavogi was so talented, he was drawn, you know, FCS looks and very serious FCS looks, and and he opted for the Division II route because I think it was a more comfortable fit. I know. I I got tipped off that he was at Central Missouri this weekend in Warrensburg. And I heard, you know, that he was making that visit. And I thought, well, that seems to make sense. And then I heard from Robbie Howard a little earlier in the week that, yeah, he really liked it. And he was getting pretty close to making a decision. And it could probably come pretty quickly within the next 48 hours, which is what we reported. So, you know, sometimes it's fit. It's not, you know, the division level. It's not anything else. You know, if you're good enough, the pros will find you. And they find people all over the place. Um, you know, and I think to those two guys are going to bring, yeah, as you said, not just a certain level of speed and athleticism, but a level of character to that as well. Um, some interesting numbers being put up basketball-wise this week, Max. We've seen a lot of people tallying over 30 points, you know, whether it was Preston Eckler from Mark Twain, uh, back-to-back nights, Cole Schwartz and Lucas Luce did it. I mean, there's been a ton of scoring of late, you know, with with big-time outputs and guys just throwing up boffo numbers. Um, anybody really see? stand out to you as kind of a risen talent who has been a little different from maybe the usual suspects that we've seen play lately or who's caught your eye with a stat line, boys or girls, that's kind of really spiked of late. I know, you know, the easy answer to that one is is Jerry Jacobs from Quincy Notre Dame because he has come to life and sort of as he's gone, Max, Quincy Notre Dame has started to get right as well, coming off their best performance of the year, uh, you know, when they looked really good against Davenport West over against, uh, you know, at the, the Quincy shootout. Uh,
1: I got Two guys come to my mind, and we're going to stay right here in town. Jack Rupert to QHS has put up some clutch numbers when needed. And then also, great Grant hire comes to high in the 20, 29 against Davenport West in the shootout with some college coaches in town and just the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I'm super impressed with some of the other guys at Southeastern that aren't Danny Stevens that don't get a whole lot of love. I'm a Jarek Heaton guy. I, I, I like the way he plays. I like his energy and his dynamics. Been super impressed as well. And I know this is a basketball family, and we shouldn't be, because his two sisters have been studs at Keokuk. But, man, MJ Davis as a sophomore has really been a risen talent, a guy who showed up and has started to really find his own and looks like not just a piece for the future, but a franchise-type piece for the future. Uh, Also nice to see Drew Evans get right because I know he struggled with his shooting and he had a 31-point night that may get him going, and if West Central has the big three uh, and, and all of those other pieces all going simultaneously, which they really haven't had at any point this season, despite being undefeated and the number one team in the state, I'm not sure anybody lays a glove on them. So that's been kind of a fun development on the boys' side. Uh, on the girls' side, we've seen Allie Hall at Hannibal really take a nice step up and become part of that, you know, factor. And she was really big last week at the Lanzini. And I, I guess I got to ask you, anything surprise you at all about the way the Lanzini shook down with Palmyra and Monroe City doing what they do on the girls' and boys' side, respectively?
1: On the girls' side, I'm going to say no, because it was typical Palmyra basketball and just on their home floor, really hard, extremely tough to beat them. Now I'm going to say on the boys side, I was surprised it was that low a scoring with how prolific those offenses can be. Was it 39, 29, final, Monroe. Monroe loves the press. Palmyra, Coach Wood has a very good structure on defense, but normally the offense in those games take over.
0: Yeah, it it certainly does. And I I was also, you know, having a chance, and I guess we shouldn't be at this point. You know, Van Farr is really good. And it gets kind of washed away in the fact that, yeah, they've made two straight Final Fours and whatever, and they won a state championship, you know, two years ago. But this is a really good team and unique in its own right. And, you know, got a chance to watch Verdell do his thing, heads up with Brandon Crack this week and score 35, which was a career high. Uh, He's down at Bowling Green this week doing work already on, on that tournament. He's a really special player. They've got good pieces around them. Colin Wilburn. They've got you know one of the best sharpshooters in the area out on the outside. There are a bunch of pieces that fit together really nicely. I really kind of like who Van Far is and and what they do and kind of what their vibe is at this point. Which I think this is a team that does does have a chance to maybe. Not, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to make a run to the final four, obviously, because that's a pretty pretty darn bold statement for anybody at this point. But I do think they're a team that, that has some real ability to play with anybody and beat anybody on a given night. Finished third and, you know, beat up on Hannibal in a third place game at the Linzini. So that was certainly impressive as well. We'll put dinner on the table in a flash with County Market's Quick and Easy Meals. These prepackaged meals cook right in the bag, in the microwave, or oven, and offer everything from salmon and asparagus to chicken and potatoes, vegetable medleys, and a whole lot more. Look for the Quick and Easy Meals in the cooler at the front of the store and take the work out of dinner tonight. All right, Max, anything else you want to touch on? Anything else kind of sticking in your cross, sports-wise these days? And do you have a Super Bowl pick for the people out there?
1: As far as just what's on my mind, as far as I'm going to touch on the college scene a little bit, we're going to go over to Kirksville where Broderick Thomas wins GLVC Player of the Year, averaged 20-plus points over three games and three, and just how, Truman's doing what Truman can do within the GLVC. I'm gonna, one other thing in the GLVC is Bellarmine lose two straight games, which is almost unheard of for that night's program. They remain in the top ten of the poll, sitting at eighth, I believe, Bellerman losing two straight, what are we coming to?
0: Are you surprised at all that Corey Miller has been as good as he's been for Indy and what a big part of that equation he's been? Because I know you watch everything GLVC.
1: Answer your question, no. Corey Miller, that D2 weight room has done him all kinds of good. And the Brad Hoyt system, and now he's fitting into Indianapolis, which we heard was a good fit for him and starting every game basically for the Greyhounds. He's just well-fit for the GLVC program.
0: You touched on that, and I want to touch on another story that kind of broke this week from our for our end of things. Uh, Brad Hoyt did offer Gabe Cox from Winchester West Central, as we reported. Point guard, who's also a guy who's made himself in the weight room. You've seen Gabe a couple of times on video more than anything else because, you know— Tate and I are hogging West Central pretty much in the back end of things. It's the boss's edict. But, you know, what are your impressions of him? Does he impress you as a sort of an evolutionary version of maybe Aaron Shute, that, that kind of guy that Brad Hoyt has had a lot of success with, not just being able to set up teammates but a guy who can get his own offense, a la Brody Grunewald, when he needs to do that?
1: Yeah, a lot of similarities between Cox and Shute. I think you give Cox the rest of this year and then some practices with the John Wood if he decides to accept the John Wood offer, but I think he would even be a good get for an NAIA program or a D3 program if he doesn't decide to do the JUCO route. He's got those kind of skills.
0: Colver Stockton's current win streak on the girl side. I mean, this is or on the women's side, I should say. I, Jeanette Bergen has done a fantastic job. She's got a lot of fit pieces. She's built a future, obviously, with the young freshmen from the area she's got. But right now it's, it's the Ryan Dooley show and, and what she's doing and – Courtney Saylor scored her 1,000 point the other day. It's that veteran nucleus that's really carrying this team. Are they legit? Is this a team that could really kind of make a run in the heart and do some damage postseason? Because they're starting to affect an ability that I don't think we saw a couple of years ago in their ability to go out and really challenge people and make them deal with every part of their offense. Yeah, you bring it a couple of years
1: ago. I think that was just the start of the Ryan Dooley's and the Courtney Saylor's now you've got those freshmen in Jada Summers and Laken Hugenberg and a couple other transfers that are have put the key pieces in place and Bergman is adjusting to their play almost and just being able to run through the heart right now.
0: Again, I'm going to press you for your Super Bowl pick because that's this week. Who do you like? What do you got? Give us a spread so the betting line public out there can make some money off you with this late-breaking information that Max Bennett provides.
1: Not a huge NFL fan, but I am going to. I do have to stick. I think I have to go with the 49ers and the Eastern Illinois and Jimmy
0: Garoppolo. Uh, uh, I'm going to go 49ers by a touchdown. Okay. So there you have it, folks. Bet the Max Bennett uh, line there if you. If you're so inclined, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. We thank you for joining us. As always, we had a blast with you and we'll have plenty to talk about next week because the super fan shootout is on the horizon. We'll break it all down for you right here. Again, if you have any ideas of things you'd like to hear on the podcast, guests or what have you reach out to me at cdoer at khqa.com or doer at sbgtv.com as well. Either of those will work or by way of social media as well. As always, our thanks to the great people of County Market for their unyielding support of our communities, our kids, and our schools. And we'll see you right back here on the podcast, which you can now find on iTunes every week as well. We are big time. Go out and just make us one of your favorites, and the podcast will magically load into your little listening machines as you see fit. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your week. We'll be right back here with you next Wednesday.